Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, sustainability and optimism at Copenhagen Fashion Week. We are recording from the Danish capital, taking the temperature of Nordic's premier fashion industry event. We are speaking to the designers and entrepreneurs that move the industry forward, and will also report from a new show concept that has arrived in the city. In this episode, we will hear from Sigurd Bank, founder and designer of MF Pen, and Gustav Schelande and Emil Holmström, founders of Brickstall Textiles. We will talk about pushing the dead stock agenda forward, new material innovations, and how to be a responsible fashion brand in 2024. My name is Konrad Olsson, editor-in-chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here together with my colleague Johan Magnusson, our senior editor. How are you, Johan? Yeah, the correspondent is reporting again. It's uh, trade fair season. It's not the time to become ill. You can, you can and most likely will uh, be that after next week, after Stockholm Design Week next week. Quite a lot of people will, will fall down into the post-trade show blues, I'm sure of it. So we're both reporting from, as, we, as per usual, from, from our individual hotel rooms uh, uh, in the middle of the actual trade show. So uh, we recorded this on Thursday morning. We've both been around town uh, on various different locations during Wednesday. And this is what we will talk about today in this episode. Um, but just a note to say we are both heading out to the SIF trade show after this recording to host our next Beauty Innovation Talks. So uh, nothing on the Beauty Innovation Talks uh, at SIF in this podcast that will show up in the podcast feed in the weeks to come looking forward to that. So uh, given that we're kind of covering the beauty um, seen in that upcoming episode we will focus on uh you know what really is going down right now the fashion week um you you want to spend some time out at the sif trade show i've been uh, around town um and i thought we'd start with uh, talking a little bit about the changing landscape of the trade show uh industry here in in copenhagen so as we have reported on before, uh, the the big two uh, competing trade shows, Revolver and SIF, uh, joined forces. Uh, was it a year ago now? Is this the this is the third edition, right? Time flies, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um. So which kind of left a hole in the sit central of, of of Copenhagen. So they've moved all the shows, all the exhibiting brands out to Bella Center. The the, tr- the fairgrounds outside of, of the city, which I generally think is a good thing. I think it's good for the industry that they consolidate uh, all the, I think it's, is it 1,200 brands or something? It's it's quite a lot. Uh, and um, it, it was actually, it felt weird a year ago when I think it was the last time they, they held the, the two separate events because there was so much uh, empty space over at Bella Center. So it's nice that they filled the, the big halls there. But what has actually happened is, you know, when when space is left, something else comes in. So we reported earlier this week from a new show concept that I visited uh, last night called Poet Concept. So Poet Concept is a multi-brand showroom. Um, uh, it, it's curated by a guy called Philip Holder, a kind of an industry veteran. He used to work at SIF. And... Um, 
I think he's very been very clear that this is not the replacement to Revolver. It's not a new trade show, but it has some of those qualities. And I, I had a chance to to go out there last night to to see the space, and I gotta say, it really has a different type of vibe. Uh, quite curated, um, uh, you know, a lot of British brands. I think because Philip has uh, a strong network there, and it felt like the brand mix really held together. Um, some really interesting upcycling brands, uh, work where kind of, kind of, you know, not really fashion forward, but, but it felt really stylish and, and innovative. And last night they also held a, a special, uh, exhibition and, and show of common Sweden, a wonderful Swedish menswear brand that, that we have reported on, uh, before. Yeah. We've followed common Sweden for the last few years and they're also based in London now, right? I believe so. Uh, I think definitely they have uh, their uh, biggest following internationally. Uh, I saw some <laughs> awesome knitwear, some great 70s tailoring. Uh, spoke to one of the, the founders and, and apparently they're, they're moving a big, big push out into Japan right now. So it's one of those kind of niche, wonderful menswear brands that, 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 that we have in, in, um, in, in the Nordics that, that don't really cater to the Nordic market because... They are a bit too niche, a bit too quirky, perhaps, and I also think a bit too expensive for the mainstream customer. Um, but it was really interesting to see the show, and, and um, I do wish uh, uh, Philip well. I know he had booked already uh, the next season, so it seems like a concept that, that will live on. So again, it was a beautiful um, uh, show space. It's one of the galleries next to the canals in the city, um uh and a different type of, of vibe yeah and it's quite a sign of the times as well for the scandinavian brands of course paris is huge twice a year yeah both men's yeah. and women's wear. and there you have uh, quite big trade shows a few of them and then you have uh, all the showrooms uh so uh, not all the brands uh, fit into um, being in a trade fair or they believe that they're not a brand at, to be at the trade fair. So of course, when SIF grows, there will be room for uh, individual showrooms, of course, here in Copenhagen and a lot of brands, they do have it. They're represented here, but also more curated, niched um, meeting places like uh, Poet. Yeah, for sure. And we've talked about it before. Funny you mentioned Paris because a lot of people I talk to are, are mentioning uh, the all the events that are happening in Paris and feels like it has grown uh, uh, so much stronger. Uh, the common Sweden guys just arrived from Paris where they said they are doing the majority of their business. So their activity here in Copenhagen is more of a representative kind, more of a kind of making a splash in their, their you know kind of home market, let's say, or or, uh, um, you know, the, the place where they grew up, they're from the south of Sweden. Uh, so they're pretty used to, to hanging out here in, in, in the Copenhagen. And it, it felt very social, uh, felt very social. It, it also kind of proves uh, the status for Copenhagen in the Nordics. It's the place to be, of course, and that's not a new thing, but it's uh, improving and improving for every season. So it's not a coincidence uh, that Common Sweden uh, believes that uh, it, it is important to be here or that uh, Jay Lindeberg is returning to the official so show schedule. It's the place to be. That's a really interesting point. And uh, uh, we should mention briefly, there is, of course, news from the Swedish fashion industry. 
as a kind of opposite end of the pendulum, uh, there's stuff happening in Copenhagen. In Sweden, there is a reshuffling of the fashion organizations where the Swedish Trade Federation just recently announced that they are closing down uh, the Swedish Fashion Council, led by Jenny Rosén and our former colleague, their creative director, Robin Douglas. Um, so news came out just before we arrived here in Copenhagen that Lilia Seffa, the famous PR woman, kind of investor, investing in different fashion brands, also has been on the board of, of Swedish Fashion Council. She will uh, somehow take ownership of Swedish Fashion Council and their, their activities. They have, as we know, run uh, very... Uh, interesting and, and successful incubator programs with the brands like Rave Review and Huda Kova and, and the likes. I wrote a few words on this in, in my weekly column. Uh, it's, uh, but I feel it's very tentative. I want to learn more before we uh, try to find out what's, what's happening there. I also met actually Robin uh, at one of the shows uh, uh, that, I'm, that we're going to talk about next. Uh, didn't get much info out of him, so it feels like everyone's kind of waiting to see what's what's going to happen, and we'll we'll of course follow that uh, closely. I guess the the big question is uh, to examine: is it good for the industry that a private investor owns the Swedish Fashion Council? But let's leave that for another show. All right, as I mentioned, I did go out to one of the shows. I uh, went to visit the MF Pen uh, show. It was in uh, a cool art art space. Uh, as per usual here in Copenhagen, there's always a cool art space where shows happening. Uh, I went to see the show to get a sense of the Fashion Week uh, uh, circuit. Yeah, we've seen... Um... A few from that kind of generation of Danish brands, uh, they've uh, unfortunately went bankrupt, but uh, Sigurd and uh, MFPen uh, still standing strong and uh, more so than ever, if I'm correct. Or what was your feeling about the show and uh, meeting Sigurd again? And no, I, I was really fascinated by this. And, and as you mentioned, I think what's what's Sigurd is a really interesting character in the fashion system. We did. Uh, um, we had a clo- kind of close contact with Sigurd when we ran Scandinavian Man a few years ago, when, when he was just starting out. Uh, he, he, I think he also did a show at uh, at Copenhagen Fashion Week pre-COVID, 18, 19, so, somewhere around there. And what's interesting with Sigurd is he is both a designer, but also a true, you know, uh, uh, you know, he he rolls up his sleeves. He's a true grit entrepreneur, I would say. And I remember in the first few years, he did everything himself. So I think with a little support of a, of a girlfriend or something like that, or, or a sister or, or or like a family member, he did everything himself. He designed it. He ordered the clothes. He packed it. He did it from his home. He went to all of the uh, trade shows himself. But he and he got a lot of attention because he did. He had this kind of cool, kind of oversized type of of. Uh, relaxed tailoring that is he's still doing and i think that's why he actually survived he didn't do it like many other brands from that era they hired like a team of five and six people went you know flew around trade shows and costs can easily uh kind of get get carried away but it seems like he really has a sense of how to run this and he wants to run this he wants to work on this he likes to work on his next collections um, so that's why it was really interesting to see the show. As, as we mentioned, it was kind of vibrant space, very packed. 
there were of course some of the international crowds we saw our friend Bruce Pask from from Bird of Goodman was in the crowd I also um uh talked a little bit with Alec Leach a very interesting author and fashion writer we have had on the transformation conference uh, a couple of years ago uh, and Alec actually he wrote a good story in his new newsletter about MF Pen uh just a couple of months ago talking about why they're doing things uh, differently and and also that maybe that's why it sparked my curiosity to to reconnect with Seagood and, and talk about how they're how they're doing because you know Seagood MF Pen kind of an interesting uh, quirky menswear brand no matter what you think of the style I quite enjoy it but it's also very they they're doing their own thing they're not really innovating every uh, season I feel like they they have cu- cut out a really interesting niche uh, but it's all dead stock material like that he really has implemented a, 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 you know a fixed strategy uh, super focused on working with dead stock material. So that's what I wanted to talk to him about. And uh, uh, just a last note before we listen to my conversation with him, Sigurd is, is, is really is a character. Um, when, uh, you know, as a journalist, some you know, you know, you have kind of a standard set of questions you ask. What are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? Why is it important to be at, at this event? And uh, you'll hear his kind of deadpan answers. Uh he is not easily impressed with anything that's happening around him. He is just very focused on doing the next uh, thing. His, you know, sharpening his collection and really taking responsibility. He's a creative. Yeah, he's a creative, but he's also a, a an entrepreneur, an operative. Uh, I would say like a sustainability operative, and uh, he he digs in. He he does it himself. I think that's why he is impressive. So. Uh, let's hear it now. This is Sigurd Bank, founder and designer of MF Pen, recorded after their show yesterday. All right, so I'm here with Sigurd Bank, the founder of MF Pen, after the show here at the uh, Galerie Nikolai, uh, Nikolai Valner. Sigurd, uh, uh, t- talk to me about this collection. It's a, it's a collection, a co-ed collection, like men's and women's. Uh, Based on uh, on tailoring and and tailoring silhouettes, uh, due to the fact that we source so much dead stock, and the, the easiest for us to find is like suiting fabrics. Um, and then uh, 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 and then uh, like our inspiration, our background is like punk music and hardcore music. And then we we try and con- reconceptualize, you know, like the suiting into this concept, which I think is fun and makes makes the you know. It makes it more punk somehow that it's suiting and like it's because we we take ownership of something which is normally some you know symbols of power or you know what I mean like like bankers wear suits and ties and like but we take it into our context and and then we you know I wouldn't say we make it punk but like in a way we we see it and style it and, and the music and everything that's that's yeah you're famous for uh, using dead stock throughout the collection and mm-hmm, throughout mm-hmm. all the the garments and 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 the pieces. Talk about how that has developed when scaling the production, going from a big... I know when you began, you were one-man show. Mm-hmm. Now it's getting bigger. What's it like scaling the production using deadstock fabrics? We need to buy more deadstock. And, and at the same time, we, we need more liquidity because the, you need to stock up on all the deadstocks. Like every time you find something, you buy it, and then like there's 400 meters there, 600 meters there, and you just have to buy it for future collections. And then, and then you have to, you know 
buy more and more and more, and then of course it's not easy just to find more. But then you look into different like alternative ways of producing clothing. Like we do uh, coats, wool coats, uh, uh, in a collaboration with Mentego, where it's like 100% post-consumer wool. So it's like end-of-life knitwear that are respun into new yarn, and then they make it without use of chemicals or dyeing or anything. Or and and the water is, is there's like so little use of water because they just take sweaters and make it into new yarn and using the colors which is already in the sweater. Yeah, so we do that, which is like, it's not dead stock, but it's like very similar, right? It's even, I, you could say it's even better because it's actually clothing which has had a lifetime of wear and then it's being made into new yarns. Uh, and then, of course, we also use fabrics like Tencel and, and like low, low, what do you call it, low impact fibers. Um, so yeah, it's not 100% dead stock, but like we try, of course, to do as much dead stock as we can. You get a lot of praise for this approach, uh, designing smaller collections, really not trying to focus on overproduction, mm-hmm, trying to stifle mm-hmm. that. When you work as a, because you, you're both an entrepreneur and a designer, and uh, you take responsibility uh, throughout the process, uh, what's it like doing this? Do you think about the design first, or do you think about the responsibility first? Ah, it's it's a constant process. Like you 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 have an idea. Let's make this kind of item, and then you. You try and find the fabric. If you cannot find the fabric, then we have like the hierarchy. Then we like, okay, we cannot find a denim who's like this. Okay, let's make a, let's find a denim which is maybe like a tinsel cotton or like a recycled cotton or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, because it's quite hard to find dead stock denim because it's always just stock and not dead stock. It, it, it does, yeah, it goes both ways because a lot of times we find the fabric and then, and then you're seeing the fabric like, oh, this would be cool as a suit jacket or this would be cool as, uh, you know, a blue song or whatever. And then, and then you sometimes you have an idea like, oh, I want to make this product. And then you have to find the fabric afterwards, if that makes sense. So do sometimes you, the fabric comes first, first, so sometimes the design comes first. Do you enjoy that process? I enjoy finding fabrics and then imagining what we can use them for. But it's also a pain in the ass because if you find a fabric, oh, this is amazing, but you only have 80 meters, then you cannot make a suit because you can make 20... 20 uh, jackets and 20 trousers so you know so if we do that we only make trousers instead of a suit so we you need more meters to make a suit for example you know because it's two items whatever it's a packed show here today at the gallery you've done a few seasons of copenhagen fashion week now what do you get out of doing the shows here uh i don't know like we did a show four years ago and or five i don't know and that was just like super whatever we were two guys doing it like we put up the lamps and everything and like we didn't have hair and makeup it was just back then it was so fun and it still like still is but now it's more like okay let's do a fucking proper show it's still like super low budget and like half the half the casting is our friends and you know like but it's 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 more proper now and then i think for me it's not so much what we gain from it It it's more like i think it's just like i think there's something romantic about fashion shows in a way and the same idea like like when you see like old shows like Helmut or Magella or you know like there's just like there's these like you know you don't remember an old Magella lookbook but you don't, you remember an old show you know and and the same the same way like I think it's the same reason we, we only want to do this show we don't want to do a show next time because then then shows become something which is just ephem- uh, ephemeral where it's just like disappears and then on to the next one and on to the next one and we don't want to be a, be a part of that like you know hamster wheel and you know we just want to do a show and then we did a show and then we get what we get but like I think it's more like an internal thing but like we, we just thought it would be fun to have a show so let's have a show Looking forward, can you say anything that you're particularly excited about in the upcoming collections or with the company or the brand? Mm. 
No. And that's 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 just simply because we like we're not chasing the next big thing or we're not doing like we're not we don't work on collabs and we don't I think it's just we're just working and it's like it's this constant process of like we you know now we work on SS25 but it's more like we you know it's it's like constant development like we always find fabrics and we always you know there's no planes there's no like a five year business plan or anything it's more like we just do our thing and trying to be happy I guess you know what I mean like have a have a good work environment and have a good you know um Yeah, just like be happy of what we do and be happy doing it. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, that was Sigurd Bank, founder and designer of MF Pen. Okay, so while I was, uh, you know, scurrying around town, uh, riding in super expensive Danish taxi cabs because of the currency situation here in the Scandinavia, <laughs> you were out at SIF, the, the, the Copenhagen International Fashion Fairs, uh, looking at the show there. So you want just an overall impression from, from the show at SIF uh, from your perspective? Yeah, similar to when I went to Paris for Maison Obia, uh, it's clear that... Um, the biggest ones will stand. They will uh, remain mm. and uh, they will show how important uh, a trade fair can be. So I wouldn't say optimism, but um, it was clear that SIF is um, relevant and stands stronger than ever. And um, it's huge. Uh, and uh, then you haven't even mentioned uh, on the first floor where you have all the showrooms you get lost there quite easily and uh, it's not easy to navigate and uh, they've also turned it into their own so-called city. So they call it mm. Sif Village now and uh, it's clear that uh, they've taken inspiration from other um, yeah, meeting places and uh, improved the food offering and um, the lounge areas. It's not only a place where you do business. But it's also important to network, to eat, to have a glass of bubbles or uh, net, uh, sit down in a couch. Yeah, and that's obviously why we are going out there to host our own Beauty Innovation Talks. Uh, it is an important meeting place in the industry. So what else did you see on, on kind of the, the fashion end of, of, of the show? Where, what, happened, what happened to sustainability? Uh, one person said... Um, I, if I look around here, even at the so-called contemporary menswear, womenswear brands, which uh, they're all located in the same hall. Mm. Uh, if uh, MF Pen, for instance, would have showed there, they would have been there. Uh, and he said, uh, 5% of the brands here are sustainable or communicating that they're sustainable. And uh, SIF and Copenhagen Fashion Week a few years ago uh, have um, taken quite a serious steps towards uh, improved sustainability in, um, yeah, in the fashion industry and uh, paved the way here, uh, certain requirements right. to show at the official schedule. And I, I haven't interviewed any SIF representative. I haven't spoke with them. Uh, so bear with me if they have super... Um, super uh, high-profile sustainability targets. I'm sure they do, mm. because it's a huge uh, company standing behind it. But it doesn't show. And if it doesn't show, then uh, what's the point with it, you know? So um, 
yeah, again, quite tired of the lack of innovation and sustainability uh, within the Nordic fashion scene. Um, if you go to such a place, if you go to like a um, student show, then you will see upcycling and recycling and new material innovations, but that's not commercial. So the commercial mm. brands, they still have a lot of work to do. Well, I think it goes to show that the innovations will not come from the brands. And we've talked about this extensively in, in our platform uh, before, and that's why we are covering new technologies. We're covering shifts in the fashion system. We're covering regulation. Uh, it's really, it's really uh, you know, at that level that we're going to see uh, the industry push for for a change. Um, and obviously, we'll, we'll get back to those issues in, in the show, but thank you for those op- observations. There are, though, uh, uh, a few glimpses of hope in, in this uh, sea of, of fashion brands. You talked to one of, of, one of uh, our Swedish brands, uh, Brixdal Textiles, which has been present at the Transformation Conference. They were with us in Helsinki uh, last year. Uh, why did you decide to talk to, to Brixdal? Just like uh, all the emerging brands, or almost all the emerging brands, they're facing a tough situation now with the retail and the e-tail or online. Uh, it's a huge competition, and a lot of stores are, of course, closing down. And uh, post-COVID, we had a situation, or during COVID and right after COVID, we had a situation where online was huge. And now also online, uh, they can't face those same numbers. So. Uh, they're also having a tough time, the, the major Nordic uh, online um, uh, outlets. So, uh, but Brickstall is important uh, to follow because uh, they, they have paved the way for material innovations and uh, recycling. And to show that also when you're an emerging and growing brand, uh, it, it comes with a lot of costs. And uh, when you expand, and that's why we've seen um, several Danish brands went bankrupt the last few years. Um, but uh, Brickstall is a clear example that you can be like a um, good example, but still keep on growing uh, to an international audience. All right, let's hear it. Here's Gustav Schellander and Emil Holmström, the founders of Brickstall Textiles. Uh, we're here to present Brickstall Textiles Fall Winter uh, 2024 collection and some highlights from it. Can you share any highlights? Of course we can. Uh, no, but as our name uh, implies, Brixol Textiles, we focus a lot on, on the fabrics we use. Um, we work a lot with sustainability and have been doing that for many years. Uh, so we always search for new types of uh, sustainable materials. Uh, we continue working with some of uh, the things we've been, been doing previous seasons, which for instance is uh, like in our buttons, metal buttons. We have um, residue from uh, production of Finnish uh, surgical instruments and then as well like uh, buttons made from uh, milk protein. Uh, But that we've been having previous years as well. For us this season uh, it's a new wool we found or that we have like developed which is 50 recycled wool, 50 recycled polyester which for us we have been, been developing because we have a real big demand due to like price increases to find also a more available price points for consumers to buy our wool coats. And it, the, the feel of it is almost like a cashmere. Yeah, it's a really nice hand feel. I mean, that has been always been really important to us. I mean, it always needs to be uh, 
the fabric needs to be have a long lasting I mean so lifespan uh, and then also like a good quality so you can never like compromise with that you've been here at SIF uh, many times you also uh, run your own uh, agency what are your feelings about this edition this edition yeah nobody's super nice I mean this is the second edition where uh, they have only one fair in Copenhagen instead of two fairs, uh, which everybody had been talking about for the last 20 years. So, so it's super nice that it's only one re uh, venue. Uh, and so far it's been quite good, good traffic. And you and your colleagues uh, have also been in Paris and uh, to other events. What do, uh, how, how, how is the feeling uh, from the industry, the buyers, and are they optimistic that uh, Maybe this year it's gonna turn around and. Well, I would. I mean, this. I mean, the fashion industry. It's like always optimistic. I mean, you need to be optimistic to be in this business. But I would say that they are more hesitant in a way. I mean, they, they, which you need to be. So I mean, optimistic but still hesitant, and I mean, don't want to take too. I mean, big risk. Do you need to adapt your collections, like you mentioned, with this mm. wool fabric, in order to? Yeah come into their stores and I mean, for sure I mean it's a re I mean because in the end someone needs to buy it out from the store and I mean this uh, I mean financial situation has like affected us all and especially like the consumers so I mean the stores really see a big demand on more like well-priced products where we I mean that's that's a big focus for us if we're looking for Brickstall textiles for 2024 what do you have coming uh, in general, you mean uh, what we have coming? Uh, yeah, I mean right now, just like finalizing this this collection, uh, selling it, and then, then creating the spring summer twenty five. But then, uh, I mean, also yeah. we're gonna we're gonna I mean exhibit again in, in Paris, and we have a new collection that are gonna be launched at Bon Marché once again uh, in in Paris, and then hopefully we're gonna. Have uh, like an event in, in in Paris at the Swedish uh, embassy. Uh, we will have our like textile scholarship. So hopefully we're gonna have that in uh, on midsummer actually. But and if I know you right, you will also continue to look for material innovations. For sure. Absolutely. All right, that was Gustav Schlander and Emil Holmström, the founders of Brixdal Textiles. All right, Johan, uh, thank you for your report from SIF. I'm looking forward to jumping into a car and getting out there myself after this uh, recording. So before we go, just a note to say that we will be reconvening our uh, virtual creativity live sessions at the Lincoln Co. showroom in Stockholm. Next session will happen on February 21st. So three weeks from now, if you follow our newsletter, visit scandinaviamind.com newsletter you will be able to sign up to that event. Uh, really exciting. It will go on for uh, three more sessions during spring. We're really happy about that collaboration. You won anything you look forward to uh, uh, next week? Yeah, there's a, there's a, a fashion week trade happening. There's Stockholm Design Week. Where it's not over yet, this, this trade show season. I look forward to relax afterwards and to stay healthy and uh, i wish you the same because it's intense now but it's the same procedure once a year 
every year. Fair enough. Thanks for listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. Do sign up to our various newsletters. Visit scandinaviamind.com slash newsletter or scandinaviamind.com slash beauty innovation not to miss out on any of our important content and upcoming events. Till next time, goodbye. Bye.